with you today. For all of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Hildebrand. I have the privilege of leading both our middle school and high school students uh, just to come alongside them and help them take next steps in their journey with Christ. Uh, actually, I, I stepped into a volunteer youth ministry role back in 2012, and honestly, I never look back. It is the joy of my life. I think I love leading students just because they're so passionate about everything, like right, wrong, it doesn't matter, full speed ahead, it's so much fun. Um, I actually came on staff this year in January, and my wife, Brittany, and I, we have uh, two kids, Madison and Zeke, and as, as parents, you know, naming your kids is a big deal, so when we named Madison, we saw somewhere it meant Matthew's daughter, so we're like, oh yeah, that's great, that's perfect, right? And for those that know biblical meanings, Matthew's gift of God, she is a princess, we love her to death, uh, and for Zeke, uh, Ezekiel means uh, God strengthens, so that he does, I promise you, God strengthens you through Zeke. Now we love both of our kids, uh, it's, it's the joy of our life to serve together. Brittany's actually on staff now at Ridge Kids. Uh, she's the elementary director, so we get to do this with our life. We get to just serve God and try to bring as many people as we can into heaven together, amen? That's what we get to do. Love doing that with her. Uh, as a church, we just finished our series called Peaceful People. Uh, so if you missed any of those, I wanna encourage you guys to, to go online and check those out. I mean, we live in a world that is anything but peaceful, right? I mean, right now, it feels like the world is not peaceful at all. Uh, I know it was exactly what I needed to hear. Next week, we're kicking off our Christmas series, right? It's gonna be a four-part series with part four being a Christmas Eve experience. Encourage you guys not to miss any of that. Our Night of Carols will be an outside event. Come join us next week for that. It's just gonna be a great time together. Well, this week we are in between series, which means this is a standalone message, which means that I get to talk about anything I want. So when Andy approached me about doing the message this week, I knew immediately what I wanted to talk about, and I am so excited to be sharing this message with you today. Today's message is for those of us who know Christ, for those of us who would consider ourselves followers of Christ, so I've got some great news. If you're here just checking us out, or if you're online just checking us out, today's message, uh, you're off the hook, right? You just get to kinda enjoy, sit back, relax. You kinda, honestly, it's great for you because you kinda get a peek in to see what we are all about as Christians. So I encourage you to hang on, stay with us, uh, check this out. I wanna use this one verse uh, to set this up, and this comes from when Jesus was starting his first ministry. Actually, when Jesus was recruiting what would become known as the 12 disciples, in Matthew chapter four, it says, and Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who we know as Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, right? And then he says something to them. He says something to them then that I wanna say, I wanna make the case that he's saying the same thing to us today. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you. Now, I left the last part of that scripture out on purpose. Now, if you've heard this verse before, if you've been in church for an amount of time, you probably know what the rest of that verse means or what it says, but I just wanna hang with me just for one second. You know what goes in the blank, but if you've never heard that verse before, what do you think would go in that blank? Like, what is so important that if I'm gonna give my life to Christ, if I'm gonna follow him, what will he make me? Maybe some of you would say that he would make me more holy, right? Like that's what he's came to do. He's came to, he's came to make me more holy, to take the sin out of my life, to cleanse me. Honestly, that would be great. 
Maybe some of you would say he's came to make me more spiritual, right? To make me pray and read my Bible more, to, to uh, have an actual devotion time every day. Honestly, I would, I would love to be better at that myself. To just to get in God's word and to be able to spend time with him every day. Maybe some of you would say he came to make me more organized, maybe more disciplined, right? I know a lot of spouses that would agree that would be great, right? It would be great if my husband was a little more organized. Maybe he would actually put the laundry all the way in the basket one time, right? That would be great. Maybe some of you would say he would make me a better version of myself. He would make me a better student. He would make me a better leader. He would make me a better dad, a better mom, a better husband, a better wife. Honestly, I think this is what a lot of Christians think that Jesus came to do. Now, all of these are great, and he promises all of these things to us, but that is not primarily what Jesus wants his followers to do. He tells them, he says, follow me, and I'm gonna turn you into something that you're not currently doing. Look at what he says. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You're gonna use some of the same techniques that you've done to, to catch people or to catch fish, but you're gonna use those to catch people. In Luke, he actually says it this way. From now on, you will fish for people. This is the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples. And he's still saying the same thing to us today. Go fish. Go fish for people. So here's what I wanna do today. I wanna show you how important it is for us to share our faith. I wanna show you the joy that can be found right in the middle of it. And I wanna show you three areas that we can focus on when it comes to sharing our faith with others. Now immediately when I bring this topic up, I know it's not a fun topic to talk about, right? Everybody, the word that you think of is evangelism, right? That, that word is just not comfortable and there's a tension associated with that word. And honestly, I think a lot of you have kinda already given yourself an out. Like you're like, oh, that, that's not me. Like he's talking about something that is just not for me. It isn't comfortable. You heard the word and you checked out. And I know what you're thinking. A lot of you are saying, that's not me. You're saying, I love Jesus. But honestly, Matt, it's just better if I just kinda keep him to myself, right? I love Jesus, but if I ever get in an argument, if I ever get in a discussion, they're gonna win. Like, they're, they, I don't know enough. They're gonna, they're gonna win. I'm, I might even get converted. I don't know what'll happen. I wanna encourage you that that is not an excuse, right? We are full of excuses. Excuses like, because I didn't know I was supposed to. Right, well hopefully this one's already covered because that's what followers do, followers fish. We have excuses like some of you would say maybe because I don't know how to. Like you'd say honestly Matt, I'd be involved but I don't know how to share my faith. Well that honestly as a church, that's our job. Our job is to equip you, to prepare you, to go out into the world and reach and make disciples. Some of you would say, uh, maybe some of you would say that you don't know how to, some of you would say I'm afraid to. Honestly, I think this is where most of us fall, right? This, this is something that has an emotion attached to it. It's something that's very personal. Our faith is very personal. It isn't comfortable for us to share. It's maybe even an embarrassment. And maybe in our minds we think, like I don't wanna be one of them. And by them, I mean the stereotypical evangelist, right? I want you to picture in your mind, what do you think of when you think of an evangelist? 
right? For me, I think of a person standing on the corner, someone with a megaphone, fistful of tracks, throwing them out to everybody, someone who's not very fun to be around, maybe just screaming at the top of their lungs, you need to repent, or you need to turn, or you're gonna burn, right? That's what we hear, that's what I picture when I think of that. Someone loud, obnoxious, awkward, and to me, honestly, I think these people mean well, but I, I, I truly believe they're doing more harm than they are good. I, I know that some people may have came to Christ as a result of this approach, so I don't wanna discredit that, but what I'm saying is that this approach would not have worked for me. This approach, and I bet this approach would not have worked for many of you. In fact, I would guess the person that is most responsible for you coming to Christ didn't look like that at all. I would guess that you would use adjectives like kind, caring, generous. These would be people who fish for you with a lure that was attractive and helpful for you. Now, I think of the people most responsible for my faith, right? I grew up in church. My family never missed a Sunday. I'm so thankful for my parents. At eight years old, I got saved. I, uh, pastor was preaching about eternity and I was scared to death that I was gonna die and go to hell. And I, I was eight years old, but I wasn't dumb, right? I mean, I knew I didn't wanna die and go to hell. So I, I prayed the prayer, I went forward. Uh, I actually got baptized with my dad that year and it was a great experience. And I, I think it was a good experience for me, but I kinda went on with my life. Like I, I went on attending church, but if I'm honest, my life wasn't very much different than those who were my friends that didn't know Jesus. My parents went through a divorce when I was in high school. In my senior year, I was actually further from God than I'd ever been before in my life. I went through my first year of college, you know, kind of just doing life however I wanted. Uh, I attended uh, West Virginia Tech down here in Montgomery, Montgomery, West Virginia. And the fall semester of my uh, sophomore year of college, I met a group of Christians. Uh, Christian Student Union is what it's called. I, I met them and it changed my life. I was going to be a mechanical engineer because one, I didn't hate math and I heard engineers make a lot of money, right? So that was my, like, my career plan was what I was gonna do. And there was this group that met in the bottom floor of Macklin Hall on Thursday nights. It was just a group of engineering students that were on fire for God. And I remember seeing them gather and I was just thinking like, why are you here? Like your mom's and dad, nobody's making you come here. Why are you here? I was so inspired though by their passion for God. I began attending every week and my life changed because of that group of people. I see my story with God as more of a journey than just a moment in time. I used to think that my story didn't matter because it wasn't this miraculous conversion. My life consists of several different moments with God where he was just drawing me closer and closer to him. Now maybe you can relate. And honestly, we are coming into a season right now where we're gonna be spending a lot of time with friends and family. Many of us will be spending time with those who are closest to us that we know are far from God. And what I wanna do today is I want you to be prepared. I want you to be prepared for reaching those closest to you. Think about this. God could do it any way he wants, right? God could do it any way he wants. One or two reasons. One, he's God and he can just do whatever he wants. Or two, there has to be some sort of benefit for us. See, many of you would say you're weak in your faith right now. Let me ask you, when was the last time you shared your faith with someone else? I don't know that there are many Christian experiences that top this one. And I'm not sure that there's a bigger thrill 
in all of Christianity than knowing that you played a role in changing someone's eternity. I mean, sure, I want it for them, right? But I want it for you. And I would be robbing you of one of the greatest joys of my life if I didn't share with you how to do this. It's like uh, having the cure to cancer. Like, wouldn't that be great, right? To have the cure. Imagine how horrible it would be if you had the cure and you didn't share it with anyone. Like, I think it would be so much fun just to look out and say, I see what you're going through, but I have the answer. Let me tell you, like, we have the answer. We have the cure to eternal death. We have the cure to eternal hopelessness, to misery. We have exactly what people are looking for. We are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Now, if you're taking notes, that's the first one. I am God's plan A. I am God's plan A. There's no plan B. See, heaven and, he, heaven and hell are actually real places. Like, people actually go to one of them. We are the ones that are the carriers of this message. The Bible tells us that only those who are saved will enter into heaven. In Romans 10, 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone standing on a stage preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The Great Commission is clearly stated in all four Gospels and the book of Acts. We are to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. This was the first thing that Jesus said to his disciples when he recruited them, and it's the last thing that he said before he left earth. This is what primarily what followers do. Followers fish. Followers fish. All right, so how do we do it? Well, anyone who's ever gone fishing knows that there's a lot involved, right? There's a lot of time, a lot of money. There's a lot of skills and a lot of money. And there's a lot of resources and more money involved in fishing, am I right? Right? Like it takes, it's an expensive hobby, let's just be honest. But it takes some skill to do it, right? You have to learn the basics. You have to learn like where to go, what lure to use. And then maybe one of the most important things, when you catch a fish, how do you get it off the hook, right? How do you actually take care of that? You see, another way to say it is we need to be wise. We need some fishing wisdom. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, today I wanna show you three areas that we need to be wise in. And the first one is I need to be wise in my moments. My moments. Go back to the verse. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Outsiders meaning those that aren't concurrently following Christ, right? I need to be wise and I need to make the most of every opportunity. Now, you may not have known this, but God is at work on intersections with people in your life, right? A whole world full of people, and he's working on these moments. As Christians, it's not really in the Bible this way, but as Christians, we call these divine appointments, right? Moments where people, we intersect with people which God was the author of that intersection. Now, really, God builds his kingdom through relational intersections. He loves to do that, and if you just become more aware of it, you'll see, you'll see those moments. And if we're having these moments with people, then we need to make the most of every opportunity. 
So two things we can do. The first thing is we can be intentional. We need to be intentional. What if every relationship you had, even those that you may not really like, what if every relationship that you had, God was the author of every one of them? What would it be like if we were more intentional about even where we go to lunch today or dinner or what we do today, the people we intersect with? What if God is gonna put the exact server at your table today that he wanted you to interact with? See, I'm not saying that it happens every time, but if we become a little bit more curious, a little more aware, then you'll begin to see these and you'll begin to enjoy these God-given moments. And when you do, just ask the question, like, God, is this, is this the one you wanted me to interact with today? And if it is, then we need to add value. Add value, find the needs they have in their life and meet them. Everybody has a need. Even rich people have needs. Even people that say they don't need anything need something, right? Maslow actually developed what is known as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. These are eight basic needs that every human has. And these needs fall into three main categories. The first one is physiological needs, right? The need to eat, need to stay alive, need to have a place to sleep for safety. If someone doesn't have one of these needs met, we don't share Jesus first. We meet that need, right? If somebody's starving, we don't throw a Bible or a fistful of tracks at them. We come up to them and we give them something to eat. Those are basic needs. The next category uh, is love or affection needs. These are the needs to be known. The need to be important. The need to feel loved, to be praised or appreciated. These are all relational needs, right? If someone doesn't have a mother or a father or someone in their life who cares for them, then we go to meet that need. This is one of the reasons we have groups, by the way. Like you can't do life alone. It's not just one of our values, it's one of humanity's basic needs. The next one is this, a higher group is the last group called fulfillment needs. See, Maslow discovered that the highest need of the human heart is fulfillment. Every one of you in this room have a need for significance. Every one of you. There's not enough money in the world that can give it to you. There's not enough vacations in the world that can give it to you. I believe, personally, the majority of Americans have the groups and the first two groups needs met, right? And, and if they don't, in one way or another, as a society, we have many systems in place to meet them. Like, we get it. As a church, we have a lot of programs that help meet those first two categories. But without God, these higher needs cannot be met. It's impossible. Fulfillment can only come from God. He's the only one who can give it to you. See, he created a purpose, right? Each one of us has a purpose that we were created for in life. And I like to say it this way, the one who created the purpose went back and created you to meet that purpose. So only the one who created the purpose and the one who created you can fulfill it, right? Only the one that created you and the purpose can fulfill it. You can't be totally fulfilled without God. It's impossible. And that's why if the first two needs are met, then you just focus on this one. You just share Christ with those. We all have a need to know God. So make the most of every opportunity. Be intentional. Add value to them. Next, I need to be wise in my manners. My manners. Our parents always told us to mind our manners, right? Like you pull in front of somebody's house, you're like, all right, you guys wanna mind your manners. You're not gonna be breaking everything, be acting like you normally do. Yep, parents agree. 
we do that. <laughs> Funny story my mom tells about me when I was just a little boy. Like full disclaimer, this was before I met Jesus, right? So please show some grace to me. She had invited a coworker over to the house and this lady was someone that she had worked with a while and she just wanted to get to know her more. Um, but this lady was also sort of a bigger person. Uh, so she, before she came over, my mom sat me down, you know, told me like, hey, this, we need to be nice. We need to not say anything mean because this lady's really big. Right? I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I got this. Well, she comes to her house, my mom's in the kitchen, you know, making dinner. And I'm just sitting on the couch next to this lady in the living room, you know, just kind of perched up, kicking my feet. And I look over to her with the kindest grin and just say, I like fat people now. <laughs> my mom said she almost passed out in the kitchen, right? She, she almost passed out. Thankfully, I met Jesus and that's not who I am today. But we need to have good manners. The Bible actually says a lot about manners. In Colossians, back to our verse, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. It says, to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Let your conversation be full of grace. Let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt. See, whether you know this or not, your manners actually have a lot to do with whether or not we are effective at this thing called Christianity. How we approach people is important. And the best way to start is to try to understand their world. Understand their world. Circle the word there, right? As Christians, a lot of us want people just to understand our world. That's, we wanna do all the talking. That's kinda what America has turned into. Everybody wants to share their opinion. And if you don't listen or agree with it, then I hate you, right? It's a toxic culture right now, opinionated culture. We need some people on this earth who will just stop and say, will you tell me what it's like to be you? because I don't, I don't understand you. I wasn't raised like you. Like I'm very interested in knowing more about you. And then, and then we actually listen. Listen to what they have to say. Let your conversation be full of grace. And it goes on to say seasoned with salt. And I've got some good news. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, it's already in you, right? Matthew chapter five says it this way. You are the salt of the earth. It's already in you, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. The next verse says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. If you are a follower of Christ, then you are salt and light. So what do we do? We make things better and we make things brighter. Salt makes things better, light makes things brighter, show up with a box of donuts at work on a Monday morning. Like walk in with a big smile and a box of Spring Hill pastries. <laughs> like you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Show up, walk in with a big smile. And I, I used to work at a chemical plant uh, down the valley and we had a contractor that would come in twice a month and he would always bring in a box of those Spring Hill hot dogs. Like y'all know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, then I'm sorry. But he would bring in a box of those hot dogs he was the most popular guy on plant. Like everybody knew who he was. Later in my career, I was a project manager at a different company and I had to travel to remote sites. Guess what? I always showed up with a box of donuts. It just makes people happy, right? It brings a smile to their face, puts icing on their face. It makes everything better. Let someone know you appreciate them. Just take a minute and text. Take 30 seconds and text somebody and just say, I appreciate you. 
It doesn't take much. What I'm trying to say is you don't have to know all the answers to the Bible. You don't have to be able to explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Just make things better, make things brighter. All right, so you're finding moments. You're making the most of every opportunity. You're minding your manners. Conversations full of grace, seasoned with salt. The last area I wanna focus to be wise in is my message. My message. Back to our verse. It says, to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders so that you may know how to answer everyone. Okay, this is the part that everybody was worried about. When I said the word evangelism, everybody kinda tensed up. You may be saying like, this is why I should've left. Like this, this isn't for me. This is why I should've stopped watching a long time ago because this isn't for me. Like I don't know how to answer everyone. Here we go. You ready? This is a verse that we covered in our last series, Counterintuitive Life. It actually comes from 1 Peter 3, 15. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, meaning that you have to know Christ as your Lord, right? Go on, always be prepared to give an answer. Here we go. Answer to everyone, or everyone who asks you the four, how to explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse? No, no. How, how to get all those, how did Noah get all those animals in the boat? Like, right? You, no, no, not that one. To give the reason for the hope that you have. To give the reason for the hope that you have. This is the plan. Honestly, you wouldn't have to know much more than this verse to know what God's plan for us as Christians is. Share the hope that we have. And when someone wants you to explain a difficult part of the Bible, you can say, I'm not sure about that, but let me tell you why I decided to follow Christ. Let me tell you why I made the decision. In other words, I can share my story. Just share my story. I made a decision to follow Christ. Let me explain to you why I made that decision. You heard me tell my story at the beginning of this message. It's that simple. I was raised in church. I encountered Christ at a young age, uh, but I really didn't know what to do with it until I met a group of Christians who were my age that were just on fire for Christ. How my life was changed, and now I see my life as a combination of moments where God was just pulling me closer to him. Everything wasn't made perfect, right? I still struggled, still had bad days, but now I have something that I didn't have before. I have hope. My story wasn't a miraculous conversion. And I know I said that earlier, but honestly, I think a lot of us feel that way. We feel like since our story wasn't a miraculous conversion, then it doesn't really matter. But honestly, I think there are many of us that can relate to this. I also think Satan has convinced us that because it wasn't a big conversion, then we shouldn't share it. Let me tell you, it matters more than you know. And when we hear others tell their story, when we hear others share what God has did for them, we think, if God did it for them, he might just do it for me, right? When we share our story, it's how we can give God all the glory. And when we don't share what God has done, we are robbing him of the glory that he deserves. So take some time and write it down. Share it with others. Give the reason for the hope that you have. Then invite them to come see for themselves. In other words, I can share my church. Share my church. See, we as a church exist 
to help everyone take the next step in their journey with Christ. And as a church grows, it tends to have this gravitational pull, right, to focus more inward. The church starts to focus more on groups and social activities as a whole, but we at River Ridge, we're a great commission church. Our goal is to reach everyone with the gospel of Christ. We, believe, we, we try very hard to be a church that both believers and those far from God love to attend. We want everyone to feel welcome as they come here because we want them to have a chance to encounter Christ. We truly believe here that an empty seat is a serious thing. We do. And invites, I wanna encourage you to invite someone to join you at church. I wanna encourage you to have someone far from God next to you one Sunday a year. Just have that person sitting next to you. I promise it'll be an unforgettable experience. You'll never care as much about what songs we sing, about who's on stage, about who the host is, about how everything goes, except that one Sunday. You'll care way more about what we do as a church. And we do all of this so that we can share Christ. Share Christ. There are very clear methods on how to share Christ. Honestly, if someone's ready to make a decision, you can, you can actually go online. Resources are available at crew.org or navigators.org. We have some up on our site. We actually covered this in a series a while back we did called A Story Worth Sharing. But this is the part that people think about when they think about evangelism. They just think about that moment, how to make that decision. But listen, all of this is sharing Christ. Sharing Christ with your life, through your moments. Being wise in my moments when you interact with others. Being intentional. Adding value. Being wise in my manners, understanding their world making things better and brighter, and being wise in my message, just sharing my story in my church. You see, the reason that we fish for people is because we were all fish once. Someone in your journey had a moment with you. Someone had the right manners and was actually helpful for you. Thankfully, someone cared enough about you to share the message of Christ with you. Now, can we take a minute just to honor those who were most responsible for us coming to Christ? Can we do that right now? Can we honor them right now? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, right? Somebody took the time and cared enough about us. So why do we reach lost people? Why do we reach them? Because he never stopped reaching for you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Lord, for this opportunity just to, to re be reminded of the purpose that we have as Christians. God, to be reminded that while we are still on this earth, we are to go and fish for others. God, just help us to be wise in our moments with others. Help us to recognize the opportunities and make the most of them. God, help us to be intentional and add value to them. Help us with our manners. When we go out to eat, help us to be a kind and generous and caring person, someone that they wanna get to know more. God, help us with our conversations to understand their world and help us to be willing to share our story with others, to share our life and to invite others to church. God, thank you 
Thank you for never stop reaching for me. Thank you, God, for reaching all of us. We love you and we praise you. Amen.